0: Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. We welcome a wide and exceptionally impressive array of guests, business leaders,
1: HR leaders, academics, practitioners, consultants, and authors to talk about the most timely, relevant, and challenging issues that are influencing the workplace today. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland-Steed. Well, hello. We have a great show in store for you today. Um, We're going to be talking with Shirley Norris, the Transportation Project Manager at the Missouri Department of Transportation, about the changes that she has seen in the workplace over her time uh, in the workforce. Um, before that, I want to take a quick note, though, and say that Steve Bose is not joining us today. He is actually at an airport as we record this. And I am joined here today by Karen Steed. Hey, Karen.
2: Hey, Trish. It is so good to be here. It has been like ages since I've been on the show.
1: It really has. And you know, this is actually I, I sort of teased out that we have Steve over at the airport as we speak getting on a flight but this really was a show that made sense to have you on with me because um, this was a story that you found very compelling. We live just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. We're in, uh, you're in Redbud, Illinois, and I'm in Waterloo, Illinois. So um, do you maybe want to just give a quick, a quick little shout out to how you kind of heard about
2: Shirley before we bring her on? Absolutely. So like you said, we're kind of in the St. Louis area, right? And um, so On Facebook, I use that kind of as my news and MoDOT is one of the places that I follow just because with St. Louis, you never know what's going to be happening with our roads and bridges and, you know, what direction to take each day whenever you're going somewhere. So um, across Facebook, I just saw this great post about this wonderful lady and just her story and really kind of fell in love with it from the moment I saw just to wanted to know a little bit more about her experience from college to the workplace and um, anything in between.
1: Well, good. Well, before we bring Shirley on, I'm going to give a quick little bio so that everyone can get up to speed on her background. Um, Shirley Norris actually grew up in South St. Louis. We'll have to ask her about that. I, I did as well and then moved to South County as Karen did, but she went on to earn her Bachelor of Engineering degree from Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee in 1951. She started working for MoDOT as an engineer in 1977, and more than 45 years later, as the department's oldest employee, she is still keeping up with her everyday job duties and managing major projects. Shirley is responsible for achieving major project goals by making sure the construction projects stay within budget and on schedule. I definitely want to ask about that because as you mentioned, bridges, especially when you're trying to get from (laughs) Illinois back to Missouri, Shirley is is probably in charge of a lot of the things that uh, impact us every day. In her fair time, she enjoys hobbies such as knitting, crocheting, crossword puzzles, and watching sports. Her favorite teams are the St. Louis Cardinals and the St. Louis Blues. See? She fits right in with this show, right? We We're have right a great here. sports
2: community.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So welcome to the show, Shirley. Thank you. And welcome to you. And thank you again for having me. Well, you know what? We're
1: so excited. Um, and and I think too, just because it's a it's a local connection for Karen and I, but more importantly, because we try and do shows that really highlight. Um, what it's like to work in America today. And obviously your background is very rich in terms of entering a male-dominated field, um, being an employee for so long. And so we're gonna dive into some of those things. But before we do, could you maybe just give our listeners kind of a little bit, little bit deeper dive into who you are and your work that you're doing with MoDOT?
0: Well, what I, my official title is um, Transportation Project Manager. And the job duty entails being in charge or being the engineer of record for contract plans that go out for bids. And um, therefore, I work with an in-house team of design folks along with an, a, an area team uh, that encup- encompasses all of the departments involved, traffic, traffic maintenance, everything that goes into the the design of a good set, a good biddable set of contract plans. So that's what I officially do. You know,
1: you've been there for a number of years, right? And can you maybe talk a little bit about what got you interested in engineering and and more specifically, maybe in working with MoDOT? Um, Did you have other jobs before that? Or was this kind of where you've landed and stayed over the years?
0: It's it's a rather strange story, but I guess everybody's life story is a bit strange in some ways. What happened was, yes, I did grow up in St. Louis, and I went to Southwest High School, which may or may not have been around when you all were there. But um, uh, I was always interested in math and science, and um, that's really not In the late 40s, what girls were supposed to be interested in. Right. Um, my father was my role model. He had to drop out of school to go to work to help his family. He was dedicated that I get uh, an education, uh, secondary and tertiary education, and would do anything he could to be behind me. So in high school. I was not encouraged to be interested in math and science, but I am of German extraction and therefore am a little bit bullheaded. And uh, so I said, okay, fine. I got it, but I'm still interested. Well, my dad um, had a branch office to his business in Nashville, Tennessee. And I, I, being an only child, and my mother traveled with him. Uh, he traveled the South a lot for his business all the time. And uh, we traveled with him in the summer. And when I was, I guess, a junior in high school, we stopped by Nashville. And a business friend of his had a daughter that was a student at the time. And she showed me around the campus, and I just really fell in love with it. Uh, When the time came, uh, it was a little different environment in those days. Uh, Of course, not everybody, especially women in the late 40s, were even privileged to go to college. I mean, they just didn't. I put in an application to Vanderbilt, and I also put in an application to what was known, what we know, Knew then as Rolla School of Mines, which is what science of technology now. And I also put it in Northwestern. I got a no from Vanderbilt. And I got a yes from Rolla and a yes from Northwestern. My dad, when he was back in Nashville, told his friend about it. And his daughter said, that's not right at the time. The structure of universities was quite different too. And we had a dean of every school, but we also had a dean of women and a dean of men. Oh. And so she went to the dean of women and said, What's, what's, why did this girl not get in? She said, I never saw her application because the dean of engineering just didn't send it over here. So she was quite ahead of her time, and long story short, a ruckus must have been raised, (laughs) so the stars all kind of lined up, as luck would have it, there was a girl, she was the daughter of the president of Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech was still a men's only university at that college at that time, he had five children, the fifth was a girl, and he couldn't admit her to Georgia Tech. So he picked Vanderbilt. And because he was admitting her, then he had to admit us. And I say us because there was a third girl from Chattanooga, but she did not finish. So it's a strange story, but the stars all lined up and I got there. That's
2: so interesting, Shirley. Now, did that. Um, experience and in, um, in everything that you saw going into college and, and all the difficulties you faced there, did that kind of set you up for how you would have to navigate the career then working in a male-dominated workplace? Or
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you have a passion for something, you can do most anything you want to do. You just have to figure out how to do it. But you also have to remember that we were just coming out of World War II at that time. And um, one of the reasons I truly believe that the Dean of Engineering wasn't interested in women, of course, it wasn't wasn't the fad at the time, or it wasn't a law or anything else, but I think there were so many um, veterans coming back Mm -hmm. to uh, getting education on the GI Bill, that why wouldn't you? just serve those people, you know, on the GI, with the GI loans. As a matter of fact, the 1947 class, freshman class at Vanderbilt was the first class in five years or four years that had actual high school senior graduates in their freshman class. Uh, Up until that time, for several years, they were all older people returning veterans.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting just how, you know, we kind of don't learn that in school, right? No. You don't necessarily no. hear yeah. that that those were some yeah. of the challenges that, that you know, education was facing due to war, due to, you know, just other things that were, were sort of making those pulls. Do you think that in the time that you've sort of, whether it was in college or in your career, you know, one of the things that we hear a lot of from organizations is this, this inequity in pay and opportunities for young women, especially. Um, And I actually, before I get to my question specifically, just today was listening to NPR and they were talking about how women who are 50 and older, sorry, I'm 51. They're talking about how we are now in the group of women who are being paid um, even less than what younger women are being paid compared to men. I'd love to just hear your perspective on, on pay equity uh, over the last, you know, 45, 50 years um, of being in the workforce. And, or, or has that even been something that was talked about until recently?
0: Um, I really don't. I think you hear that there in your last sentence. I don't think it was openly talked about much uh, up until recently. However, I will tell you that, um, working for a state taxpayer, you know, agency, the money issue is all in the legislature's hands. Mm. We don't, they don't it's not like the private side at all. And, you know, MoDOT gave me the opportunity after all those years of not, of being out of school and so forth, that I've always been very, very grateful to them for and I I really, I really don't think about the pay inequity too much, because I know where how our salaries are set. Mm-hmm. And I do know, right now we're losing literally dozens of young people going to the private side because of that. So,
1: right. Could you talk a little bit maybe to some of the younger listeners out there who might be considering going to college and and studying, whether it's engineering specifically, civil engineering, or maybe just, they don't know that yet, maybe they're just interested in math and science um, like you were. What kind of advice would you give someone, maybe a younger woman, um, on getting into not just the field that you did, but maybe even working in, in the private sector?
0: Here's the advice that I'd give you. Uh, Don't let anybody discourage you. Don't look at the bad side. Again, I'll mention, I've learned over the years, the people that are happiest at work are the ones who have a passion for what they're doing. If your work is not fun or rewarding, then you're in the wrong business. So don't give up. And if you have a passion for it, just keep on trucking.
2: That is great advice. Um, I kind of want to look at, you know, we talk a lot about um, the future of work, uh, especially now, you know, since going through the pandemic and all the changes just that we've seen in the last few years. But, you know, being uh, with MoDAP for the last 45 years, you know, I'm sure that you've seen uh, the way we do work evolve, right? Even even just in the last five years, probably. But, right. you know, what are some of the major changes that you've seen, you know, either for for good or, or for bad? You know, what stands out to you?
0: Well, when I first came to MoDOT in 1977, we were a very top-down organization. Everything was decided, let's put it that way, in the Jefferson City main office, central office, whatever, you know, the division office. Mm-hmm. Over time, the whole work industry changed, and the keywords became employee empowerment, employee uh, development. So I was very privileged in the late 80s and early 90s to be chosen to lead our work on a team of people statewide that taught what we call quality improvement. And that was focused on teamwork, employee empowerment, break down the silos, have everything equal across the board. And it changed our business and our work tremendously. I must say at Vanderbilt, I did learn a lot about teamwork. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that's what I was learning until actually it hit me when I came to work for MoDOT. Because I could see that there wasn't a lot of teamwork there. Very, very dedicated to teamwork. Uh, More eyes, more thoughts, more more time gives a better quality product. It also gives you buy-in. Instead Mm. of being um, segmented or separated, you just do it because you have to be there. I don't right. want anybody to come to my core team meetings if they're not interested. If you've got, you got other things to do, then you're wasting your time. So I'm very, very, very dedicated to teamwork and safety. I'm a big safety proponent. Uh, too, much, too much driving distracted and all that business. But that's what I see as the biggest difference in when I first started here and now.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned teamwork. That comes up a lot when we talk on all different types of industries, obviously. And same with safety, right? Um, it's something that's very important to leaders and to employees uh, nowadays, regardless of sort of what industry you're in. Do you think that there are things that workers could be doing more to build teamwork skills? It sounds like you've got that naturally without even necessarily knowing it at Vanderbilt. Um, What about, do you, do you hire employees who maybe don't have that traditional sort of college entrance into working where you do? Um, Maybe they've gone through the military themselves and then joined, or maybe they've gone through, I don't know, a trade school or something and joined. Are there other ways that you're seeing them come in with that, the teamwork skills?
0: Um, No, not really. We, We have trouble because of our pay scale. In getting recent calling college graduates of course And I'll just I'll just put this in obviously I've worked with several generations of people and I okay. laughingly but truthfully tell you that my bosses have been younger than my children for many many years so I have been I consider it a privilege to be able to observe the difference in the generations. I don't look at it as a gap. I look at it as a difference. Coming down through what all those names are for those generations, they communicate differently. It's, it, it's a different way. I hardly had a telephone when I was growing up, uh, let alone a cell phone, you know. Right. Um, and computer, look, I went all the way through college using a slide rule. And mm-hmm. when I say slide rule around here, some of them say a what? <laughs> no. And I just say, Google it up. You'll find out what it is, you know? So so that in itself tells you the huge difference in the communication. I am very dedicated to communicating. And that's one of the things the pandemic has stopped us from doing, especially face to face. Thank heavens for technology. Thank heavens, I've got enough people around me when I get stuck on the computer to answer the question. It's a wonder to me sometimes I even know how to open it or turn it on right. because it's mystifying in some ways, you know. But the difference I see is if. We start an email chain and we're trying to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. We get nowhere. I pick up the phone or get a team's meeting together. 20 minutes later, we got the problem solved. Why? Because we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Communicate. And when I say communicate, I don't mean just with your fingers on a cell phone or a keyboard. Talk to each other. They know when they send me an email, I'm going to get up out of my chair and walk back there and talk to them.
1: I think that's a good one. I I was much like you. And I think Karen would agree. um, You know, I'm, I was raised uh, working for people who were in the baby boomer generation or the, the senior generation. I think it was called before then Um, it was very much about respect it was about picking up the phone. It was about if I needed, I worked at, in a public, large public accounting firm in St. Louis, PwC, and we would go walk down the hall. If we wanted to speak with a partner, we would, we were told, right. this is what you do. and I was young, but that was sort of how it was. And it was definitely about offering respect to the people who are in leadership positions and that sort of thing. And then As I've grown up and become a leader myself, it's not necessarily that way. Um, I have children. I have twins that are getting ready to graduate high school. Karen has has a a daughter who's also graduating high school uh, next month as well. And so um, it's interesting to me. You make a good point. They're always on their phones. They're always texting or using a social media channel, but they're not actually picking up the phone and talking or going in person. Are there people yet on your actual work team who are say maybe 20 to 30 years old who are really struggling with kind of communicating then more face-to-face? Like how is that working out when they actually get the job?
0: Well, internally uh, we sit in groups and design groups for the different areas in St. Louis in this district. Okay, And so they get uh, to know each other like socially also. Um, We're a family. Uh, My Modad family, I no doubt see more than my biological family, especially in the pandemic, you know. But um, they get to know each other, but they still seem to think that professionally, they don't communicate all of their concerns necessarily that's what I observe and I find out that <laughs> I can pull the old person thing once in a while I just go back and say I'm a little confused here and somebody wow. will whisper watch out when she says she's confused <laughs> that means you're not <laughs> yeah. um, anyway I think yes with all the technology they hesitate to communicate again it's just about of course you can tell i don't mind talking you know uh it's part of life so i'll tell you what i've also found this isn't this this just was pointed out i I haven't gotten to see i have four little great grandsons they're babies but they don't live here they don't live in st louis So I see them on Snapchat a lot, which is wonderful and very, very good of their parents to do that. But what I see when I am privileged to be around them is the difference in how the technology is going to affect these babies, even more so than your teenagers. Right. They won't. I mean, they sit and play with things that I never dreamed existed you know which gets them used to a keyboard which gets them used to using uh, their fingers differently it's just it's like what are you doing with that child (laughs) you know but but that's just where technology has taken us and they better be ready for it you know it's a whole different world, you know,
2: like um, the the environment that our kids are growing up in is very different than, than what we know. I know I hear it a lot from our parents is, you know, they feel like it's not their world anymore. Um, And I said, it's, it's not even ours anymore, right? It's, it's already going down to the younger generations. And you've talked a little bit about, you know, how the, your MoDOT team is your family um, and all of that, but how do you feel um, you know, being you are the, the oldest full-time employee in Missouri, um, how do you feel that, that aging workers are treated in the
0: workplace? I uh, have always felt nothing but the utmost kindness, care, and respect around here. I, I cannot tell you that I have seen anything differently. I don't know how old. The, I think there are some people, well, there are some people that have already retired and come back. We have a thousand hour program, a halftime program, mm. uh, but even they are in their mid sixties, you know,
2: because right.
0: they retire at sixty two. Oh, by the way, my oldest daughter retired three years ago. That's a big joke <laughs> around here. <laughs> you, <laughs> so you know, made it's, it longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, our dad, he's uh, eighty, he's almost eighty two. And he retired from a very long career, uh, working in a zinc refinery and stayed home for like a year or two and was so bored. He went back to work and like his second career, he worked at Wilkie window and doors wound up being like another 15 or 20 years. Like, so it's interesting to me that I do feel like people who are, you know, definitely say 65 and older have sometimes a different work ethic too. Um, and, and. Again, I just, in that, in that NPR story I was hearing them talking about, just the fact that so many people are now delaying retirement. Do you feel like at MoDOT there is opportunity then? It sounds like you have the 1,000-hour program. Are you, is there any encouragement for people to stay working longer than maybe 62 or whatever the traditional
0: retirement age would have been? Are there opportunities for them? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really not aware of anything Obviously I don't go down and talk about retirement because it's not on my bucket list, you know, right. but, uh, um, I, I just, I just think sometimes people burn out and that's the end of it, you know, but sometimes it's just a matter of family or whatever. Or finances. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: What do you enjoy about work? Why you say, it's not on your bucket list to retire what do you most um sort of get back and make your heart happy from from being at work
0: the environment the atmosphere uh, obviously i've my kids are all grown and my grandkids are almost all grown so and i've been widowed for a long long time so um i'm used to being alone you know mm-hmm. um, now i have good neighbors and they're real sweethearts and so forth And my local kids come to see me, except for the pandemic, but um, it's a, it's an atmosphere. And what I get out of it is a sense of, look, we had, we had issues, we had challenges, we had things and look, we got it done. Yay. You know, it's just like accomplishment. Accomplishment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good.
1: I was going to say, we need to take a quick break uh, and recognize our sponsor, and then we'll get back to to the discussion. Um, This episode of At Work in America is sponsored by our friends at Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. Nearly one-third of U.S. employees say that their work schedule still remains unpredictable as a result of the pandemic a factor they report is having a significant effect on their overall well-being from causing financial stress to feeling disconnected from family and friends. And this appears to be affecting our younger generations the most. To learn more about all the findings and how you can optimize work scheduling to help better support your employees, visit payx.me slash schedules today. And we will put a link to that in the show notes.
2: Shirley, I have, I have a question here. So I did a little reading about you. And, and one of the things that we've learned, I mean, even just with talking to you today, right, you've achieved um, many goals over the years um, and, and all the things that you've done. But you did receive an award um, not too long ago, which was uh, the, just called the Trailblazer Award by MoDi. Can you tell us a little bit about what that award was for and, and how you got it?
0: Well, um, it's an internal thing. And I don't know who decided to do it because it was a surprise to me. It was a huge surprise to me. They look at my life story as trailblazing. And I never really thought about it. it was, it's just me. It's just like I told you, it's just what I wanted to do and bullheaded that I am, What 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 I was lucky enough to do. But to be recognized by your peers is is something else again it's it's just awe-inspiring you know and um i've got it here in my office you know i look at it every day and 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 really say thanks for it um that was about five years ago i think and of course we haven't had a meeting the last two years so and now I'm on the committee to select the next one every year. So it um, it, it it has it has a special meaning and, and it's a woman's organization, so it it does encourage the females in our organization to search out their own passions and 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 their own promotions, you know. I was stunned. I never heard of such a thing before at the time, you know. I think it's
1: really important that they're recognizing the good work you've done. And I, I do think it's it's trailblazing the fact that you sort of had that support early on from your father to encourage you to pursue your dreams, to make, make those opportunities available to you. Um, obviously, that's still something today that not all students have. Right. And so we're still kind of fighting that battle of, of getting um, really all kids um, those opportunities, but especially young women, you know, encouraging them. Right. that There are op- options for them. Um, what what do you uh, maybe if you think of times when you talk with either, you know, your, your children who might those that still might be in the workforce or even your grandchildren, you know, who are obviously in the workforce. Do they ever come to you and ask for any advice just on 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 your longevity or any advice at all on what they can be doing to kind of be trailblazers in their own right? Do you ever get that kind of a question
0: well i i i get I've always adopted a um a policy in my family. If you want my opinion on something, you will have to ask for it. I am not giving you my opinion. My mother was just the opposite, so <laughs> I got <laughs> tired of that and decided, I, you know, she was uh, always had an opinion, and I, uh, I didn't ask you, so you know, don't do I don't do that. Right. Uh, but when they do come to me and ask, it's usually about about an experience I've had or something that um, I can maybe counsel them on or so forth. Yeah, the uh, the local ones particularly, of course, being some of them are in Denver, some of them are in Kansas City, that makes it a little harder, you know, but yes, they do, but I don't, you, might, you know, but speaking of goals, mm-hmm. I, that's another thing I've always found it, I guess you might say necessary in my life to have a goal. You know, I have, I have a long term goal. Or a bucket list, if you will. Some of it's mm-hmm. never going to happen, but some of it does. And my dad worked till full time till he was eighty-six. Wow. So my goal, my mother never worked out of the home. My dad took very good care of us, and um, so my goal originally was to work as long as my dad did. Mm-hmm. Well, when I got to that, I had to set another goal because I reached 86 and then I got to 88 and, and then I thought, so somebody said to me after I passed 92 and 45 years within a couple of days of each other. So just think, if you stayed at Moda two more years, you would have worked half your life there. I said, you know what? I need a new goal. That's my new goal. So I'm not looking at retirement till two more years from now. I think
1: that's good to always have goals. Yes. Um, now you mentioned your bucket list a couple of times. And these there there might not be things you get to, but what what are some of if you don't mind sharing, what are some of the most fun or crazy or you know, just kind of out there? What what is it that you would just love to do that you just like never done?
0: I would love to go to India oh. and ride on an elephant behind a mahout. That's what I'd love to do. I love elephants. Well, I love a lot of animals and birds and butterflies and everything, but but right. I would. I just love elephants, and I've always wanted now. Back as a young kid at the St. Louis Zoo, there was an elephant we rode, Miss Jim. I don't know if any of you have ever heard about her. I don't remember that one. Oh, this was back in the 30s. (laughs) 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 She's been gone a long time. But I I guess I got my love of the elephants from that. Right. And um, I've always thought, wouldn't it be neat to go to India and actually ride on the back of an elephant of a Mahoud who takes care of the elephants right yeah with him um the other thing I love um I love music I love you know I do a lot you have know, done a lot of that um and I love going to the Fox back before the Fox was renovated in the 70s it was mm-hmm. you know back in that era right and right. even when I moved back to St. Louis in the 70s after it was renovated um I would always have liked to have been an usher, but as I've gotten older, I thought that was a pretty neat idea, just usher and you get to see the shows, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, um, I just, at 92, I don't walk as well as I used to, so I don't know whether that's a good option anymore, so. well maybe they could
1: uh maybe they could pull some strings and let you be like an honorary usher for a day or something right (laughs) like have you uh or or you need to go out to the zoo they need to bring you on for a day so you can work with the elephants maybe i don't know if they could let you ride them but they could certainly (laughs) let you probably they don't let you ride
0: they don't even have elephant shows anymore i know they used to in the olden days but do um, you travel much before the pandemic do you like to travel is that something Um, you do I'm not no I, I'm not noted for taking much vacation. But um you know, I lived in Colorado for 14 years. Oh, where did you live? Um on the western slope in Rifle. Nice. Do you Very know nice. where that is?
1: Yes, my I do. My boyfriend lives in Fort Collins. So I'm in Colorado
0: every month, at oh, least for oh, a little bit. Oh, for heaven's sake. Oh yeah my husband uh was a chemical engineer with union union carbide us out there oh yeah yeah and that was during the rain uranium, uranium vanadium days and mm-hmm. then um but anyway um so where was i i was talking we were talking
1: you... travel we were <laughs> yeah, talking travel
0: so um i met some wonderful people out there at the time uh, in fact uh, a lady that i knew from the going to church and being active in the church was um, a babysitter for my two older kids. And um, we got to the point where we reconnected and my oldest daughter and myself and two of them uh, have done 21 trips to national parks. We started way back then. And I would take a week or 10 days vacation not take the computer with me, no work, no nothing, just fun with friends. So yes, I've been to lots and lots of State Park. Our two friends in Colorado, if you can believe there's anybody older than me, they are. So um, they they aren't able anymore. And I'm not sure how able I would be. Although my daughter says, hey, We can always put you in a wheelchair and get boarded first. So um, uh, yeah, we can, we can try that. I don't see that coming up anytime soon, but yes, I've had some wonderful, wonderful trips with those, with my daughter and, and our two friends. It's just been beautiful, beautiful national parks.
2: That's great. Very good. So interesting. It is. I was going to say, I had one quick thing that I just wanted her to to talk about really quick, if she would, because I noticed something that you're wearing. And I believe that had some significance to a story that you've shared before. And if you would just share that with us. So you've got the starfish pin on.
0: That's correct. And that comes from the days of quality improvement uh, training that I was lucky enough to be involved with. And during that Uh, first day of training we showed a video about you know we laid out what we were going to do because it was five days of training Um, and we laid out you know kind of what we were going to do and we showed this video the object of the thing was there was a young man walking down a beach and he was picking up and tossing something back into the ocean and an older gentleman comes by and says what are you doing and he says, I'm throwing these starfish back in the ocean. He says, Well, that won't do any good. That won't help anything. He said, That won't do any, make a difference to anybody. He said, It will to that one. And so we gave a starfish pin to everyone that took the training. To me, it means I can still make a difference. That's the story that. of the tar- starfish. That's a wonderful story. And and just in case I forget it at home, here's one I keep at the office, just so I always have one.
1: You know, I think you've given us so many little nuggets for the listeners to think about today. I think that's a perfect way to kind of kind of wrap is with that idea that we are all here still to make a difference, right? At any age, at any stage of our career. Um, to show up. I love that you you shared with us about doing what you love, having passion for what you're doing. And I think that a lot of people can think about what their, what their work is and how they can actually make a difference. So we're so grateful you came on and talked with us today.
0: I'm so pleased to be here. It was, it's always fun to talk to people.
1: <laughs> I know you're a natural. <laughs> surely you need a podcast you need to be out there
0: no thank <laughs> you put that on your bucket list that's not on my bucket list no
1: okay okay well you hey feel free to come back anytime though and and join us because this has been really just interesting it's been inspirational for me and i'm sure for karen as well and um and thank you just personally for all of your work that you're doing that impacts the roads that karen and i use every day really you're
0: you welcome know. It's, uh,
1: it's it's certainly a big task, uh, as I'm sure it is in any state, but definitely in Missouri, there's always projects going on and, um, and you're certainly managing a, a large chunk of those. So we really appreciate your work. Thank you so much. I've right. really enjoyed
0: it. Good.
1: Well, Karen, thank you for joining. Uh, this has been fun doing an episode with you while Steve's out and about.
2: Thank you for having me. I may have to have him um, travel more often, so I can jump
0: I was going to say
1: <laughs> we need to do this more often together. So, at any rate, um, I want to also just another thank you to our friends at Paychecks for for sponsoring our show, for making these uh, these episodes of At Work in America and bringing the stories to you all possible. Um, we want to thank all of the listeners uh, for joining us on today's episode. Uh, we will be sharing links to all of the resources that we discussed today. Um, additional information on in the show notes about uh, MoDOT, about how you can, can join and be a part of that, or uh, just certainly look into the department of transportation opportunities in the state that you live in. We will just see you back here on the next episode. So thank you again to Shirley. Thank you, Karen, and uh, be sure to subscribe to the HR happy hour network of podcasts, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Bye for now.